Welcome to the One Thing Global Leadership Summit podcast. And we have the privilege today to have a vibrant conversation with a veteran, a global ambassador in prayer and a statesman in the body of Christ, Brian Mills, all the way from the United Kingdom. So, Brian, thank you for giving us your precious time to have this dialogue. Our audience is eager to learn from men and women who have gone ahead of us, have many, many years under our belt, leading from the place of prayer. That's the key, that our audience are committed to prioritizing prayer in all expression and form of ministry. That's the distinctiveness of this Leadership Summit. We came together in order to do that. So we were eager to hear from you, Brian. Brian, all these years, you have done various ministry. Maybe you can share with us a little, but of all the different ministry that you've been involved in, prayer seems to be the central theme. And tell us why, yeah. Well, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, first of all, for having me on your podcast and uh, greetings, everybody who's listening. Um, I live in the United Kingdom. Um, I would love to have been a missionary in um, Central Asia. I believe at one stage in my life, God was going to call me to be a missionary there. But um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And uh, one of the things I've learned through prayer, particularly, is it is always a two way conversation. It's me and God. So God, I'm expecting God to speak to me as much as he is expecting me to speak to him. And some people only per perceive prayer as a one-way traffic. For me, it's always two-way conversation. So um, uh, I, I thought God was going to call my wife and I to uh, go as missionaries to Central Asia. We had started praying, um, missionary praying for, for people in Central Asia. At the time, uh, most of the countries were closed countries. So what we call now the stand states of Central Asia were at that time closed to the gospel and closed to missionary endeavor. But we prayed for that. We prayed for people who were going in and out um, uh, casually and, and occasionally. Um, and then um, I got called to go into a mission, a small British-based mission called Central Asian Mission. And we believe this was God's call for us to join them as a youth secretary. And, um, and one of the first things I, I did was to start a youth prayer movement called the Young Mountaineers. Now, at that time, I have to say that prayer was not a top priority for me, but the mission itself was committed to prayer, and they, we prayed every day for the field in which we operated. Now, so, this is now 1980s or 70s? This is in the 1960s. Wow. This goes back, so I've been, wow. I've been involved Iron in prayer Curtain ministry. was still very solid then. <laughs> so... The union was still a very strong block then, holding everybody. It was, yes, it was very much so. Yeah. And maybe I'll tell you a story about how God also uh, changed the system and brought an end to communism. Some stories I can tell you because I was part of that period and that era yeah, as well. That. Make sure you tell okay. that part of the story later. Carry on. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway, um, uh, Central Asian Mission was where I cut my teeth. One of the people that uh, was the first one to join this uh, new found uh, prayer ministry is now one of my longest and wells and uh, longest friends and he's a colleague. We work together. We've written a book together. And so God opened the door. But it took many years for me to realize that prayer was more than just praying about mission. And um, uh, I only lasted about two years, two and a half years in this mission. Then God shifted me into um, a ministry 
to do with my own country. Uh, we were an evangelistic ministry. Um, so I was focused on the harvest and I watched how prayer was used, if I can use it in those terms, used to try and help God to do his work in a way that was going to bring fruit. And uh, we didn't, I, I have to say, prayer was not a priority. We knew the importance of prayer, but it was not a priority. And um, it was some years later that um, I was, uh, my wife was part of a team that was putting together a Christian musical in the town where we lived to the west of London. And as part of the preparation for this musical, the team that she was working with from, a different, from different church backgrounds decided to meet together to pray regularly because they wanted to make sure that they, what they were doing was gonna be fruitful for God and they had many problems they had to overcome. So they prayed through the problems. It was problem oriented prayer. And uh, one night, my wife and I, we had we had been we hadn't spent an evening together. We had small children at the time. And then my wife said, why didn't you come with me to the prayer meeting? So I thought, well, I'll, I will go just to be with my wife. That was my motive in going. Well, that's and, a uh, one. That's a <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, we hadn't been together for several nights. So uh, so my motive in going, when I got to this prayer meeting, most of the people there I did not know. They were from all different church backgrounds. And at the end of the meeting, the, the leader, who was a Roman Catholic uh, friend, um, said this next week will be our last prayer meeting, because after that is the musical we're putting on. So I, I piped up uh, as an unknown. I said, you can't stop this prayer meeting. This is the most wonderful prayer meeting I've ever been in. You've got to continue. And all the others looked at each other and said, yes, we want to continue this as well. So I became part of this prayer group, uh, along with my wife. And um, to cut a long story short, God used this as our, lab our laboratory for prayer. Mm. We learned how to pray together. And um, we prayed every night, uh, every Monday night for about two years. And then we opened the doors to others to come in. And our group grew from 15 to 50 within a month. Then we split down to other groups. We, we had three or four groups. Uh, praying on simultaneously at different locations. We added another night of the week. And so we ended up actually praying every morning. The, those of us in leadership would pray together every morning for an hour. We had two nights a week when we were praying together. We had a day of prayer and fasting once a month. And we had a pray, praise and prayer evening in the local town hall also once a month. Is so prayer was our laboratory. 60s or 70s now? This was in the, this is still in the, um, this is now in the 1980s. The okay. early 1980s, okay. And um, so I was a slow learner. <laughs> and um, at the time, uh, I had just been headhunted to become part of the leadership team of the Evangelical Alliance of Great Britain, which is rather like your National Association of Evangelicals yeah, in the I'm United familiar States. With yeah, I'm familiar okay. with it. And um, so I became their evangelism secretary. And at the, at the time that I joined, we were in the process of putting together a mission with Billy Graham in the UK called Mission England. And I became part of the leadership team for that, was seconded by EA, the Evangelical Alliance, to head up um, with, the, with three others, the whole of the mission, which we called Mission England. And it was to be a period of mission for two years, leading up to the time when Billy Graham would come. And as I was the only one involved in a live prayer group at the time, they said, Brian, would you take prayer as your major responsibility and get the church in the nation praying? 
So it's one thing to be praying in a small town with some of your friends from different church backgrounds. It's quite another thing to get the church in the nation praying together. So I had to say, Lord, how do I go about this? What do I do? And um, there was lots of encouragements along the way. Brian, when are you going to get this key? What's, you have to come up with a key that's going to get the nation praying. So my colleagues were saying. And uh, I had a prophetic word. Somebody came to see me from a, another town, somebody I didn't know. And she said, God showed me that you're being pressurized to come up with a key um, for something national. Don't listen. Wait until God shows you the key. So he didn't know anything about what I was in, involved with. So I waited until God gave me the key. And God spoke to me one day in a bath. I believe passionately that when we're in re good relationship with the Father in heaven, he wants to speak to us, his children. He's our father. Fathers want to hear their, vo their children's voices. They want conversation with their children. It's the same in the natural. It's the same in the supernatural. Right. So God was speaking to me in the bath. And he started to speak to me about threes, three people meeting together to pray with three others, each by name, so that between them, the group of three would be praying for a total of nine people, nine of their friends, that they would become Christians. So what was happening in the process of this being worked through was that these three people were focusing their prayers on a total of nine people. They were praying intentionally for them for their, all their known needs, and especially that they might find Christ as Savior and Lord. So it was a, it was a tool for the harvest. And when we launched this uh, through a series of meetings throughout the United Kingdom, we had, through, sorry, throughout England, we had no idea what would be the result of this, but it took off like a bushfire. We were unprepared for the results, for the responses that we were getting. And within weeks, we were hearing of prayer triplets not only having started, but having seen three, four, five, six, even nine, all nine of the people they were praying for being converted to Jesus. Wow. This is meant to be a preparation for the mission with Billy Graham. Mm. But we learned as a consequence of all the research we did that um, eventually uh, we, we found out there were something like 30,000 prayer triplet groups launched in England at that time. And something like 4,000 of them had seen at least one person converted, some had seen all nine uh, converted to Christ. So we conservatively estimated there must have been thousands of new Christians already in the church before Billy Graham arrived on the shores of England for the missions that we had in the stadium around the country. Did you say over 30,000 prayer groups? Over 30,000 prayer, group, prayer groups came that into existence. Involved almost 100,000 people, 90,000 yep. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, it would be, would have been. We had some of some of the groups were what we called maxi groups. So three married couples would pray together. And some of them were mini groups with three individuals praying together. There were children in schools, uh, students in college, people in the workplace, in factories and in offices, in neighborhoods. So prayer took off in a whole variety of contexts. And, um, and so people were learning to pray for their friends by name. And so when the Billy Graham emissions arrived, um, the, we were, the Graham team were actually unprepared for the responses. We, we said we were expecting a 10% response to the preaching of the gospel. Billy Graham's missions had not seen anything more than 5% previously. But throughout our mission, throughout the period of Billy Graham's missions here, we had at least 10% responses to the gospel. So there were lots of people that were 
thousands of people were new Christians in the church. And uh, most of them had been prayed for. This was the key to for the harvest that resulted. So that was the, the Mission England, the story of prayer tippets, which had been written up in a book called um, Three Times Three Equals Twelve. Forget the mathematics. Think of this, the principle behind it. Is that the title um, of the book? That's the title of the book. Uh, three times up. three equals twelve. Everything is still in print in Am on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon secondhand. Yeah. Okay. So and we'll um, uh, underneath the podcast, just in case some people want to find it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the the same book was adapted and subsequently published in Australia under the title Prayer Triplets. Okay. And Leighton Leighton Ford wrote a forward to that for me. Yeah. So that was the start of, for me of, of a prayer ministry that I was not looking for. But because God did this, he launched me into something that took over my life. Mm -hmm. And I was then when I when Billy Graham had finished, I'd, I'd learned an awful lot more about prayer. As a consequence, we had to do prayer seminars around the country. I was learning on the job. But that prayer group in my hometown with Christians from other denominations was the laboratory through which God taught me all the principles of prayer that have subsequently been part of my life and part of the teaching that we've done in different parts of the world. How long did this movement goes on, went on? The prayer triplets? Yep. It's still going on. Okay, that's what I'm suspecting. It's been, re it's been replicated in different ways in different nations of the world. So at the moment, it's part of, all, of Mission America. They've been rolling that out that according to my information. Right? Mission America. So I've been I've been told, I've been told some of the stories of what's been happening there. It became also part of the burgeoning uh, G12 um, cell church movement. Do you know about that? Yes, uh, Latin America, in, out of Colombia. Yeah, yeah. So they ab absorbed and took part of what um, prayer trip it was about and made it work as part of this the growth of the cell church movement. So it, it has found its way into all kinds of different contexts um, around the world in subsequent generations. And, and you'd have to read some of my later books which tell you the fullest story of just how, it, how God took that. It was a seed sown, he gave the key. I had nothing to do with the way things developed from it. God just took it and multiplied it in different ways in different nations. Well, and we, we, learned, we learned within six months of us launching it in Britain, that um, it was all around the world. And I had never stepped outside my own country at that time, but it had, it had appeared all around the world. We even heard of prayer triplets being formed in the palace of the, prayer, of the King of Tonga. This is as far away from Britain as you can possibly get. <laughs> right, right. right. The anyway, so, is using that which you yeah. love through you, yes. So that was a start of my, my learning curve. Next question, Daniel. Well, that was a big buff thing, something that truly caught you by surprise. So now yeah. that leads me to the next question. Usually when someone has been given an assignment from the Lord and the assignment begin, uh, become tremendously successful beyond what the person thinks, the person will usually become very busy trying to steward the fruits of that success. And that usually compromises the inner life of the person, the spirituality of the person, because the person is trying to run around 
trying to just steward the fruitfulness of the ministry. How do you, you know, in your early days, in the franticness of the growth of the prayer triplet, maintain your prayer life? Or if you face some challenges, what are the challenges so that we can glean from you and, you know, from that episode? Because some of our young leaders are dreaming about a breakthrough and revival, and but yes. revival come with some burdens. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have to go back to that um, first prayer group that I was part of in my hometown. And uh, I've learned so that group, by the way, we still meet four times a year, wow. um, 40, 40 years later. Wow. And um, they're all older than me, <laughs> the, the surviving members of it. And um, but so so we still meet. But I, I, I believe passionately for myself that the key has been praying together with other people. So if I if it's just on my own, I will I will waver. But prayer is prayer is not just a personal exercise. It is a personal exercise. We have to be in tune with our Father in heaven. We have to be uh, be regular in our praying. We have to recognize that prayer actually can happen without ceasing. So I teach about a lifestyle of prayer rather than a systemized approach about prayer. So I can be in prayer anywhere, anytime. And 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 if I can, I can say this. What, wherever I am, I'm prepared to stop and pray whatever I'm doing, whoever is around, it doesn't matter to me. And, 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 and for me, the earth is the Lord's and everything and everyone in it. So I can talk to my father anywhere. Wonderful. I can do it when I'm driving a car, so long as I don't close my eyes. Sorry, Brian, I, I cannot help but I pick up two principles that our audience may find it to be mutually uh, exclusive or, or, or a kind of hold intention. Uh, one is the, the point you, you mentioned so briefly, but I caught it. It's very important. You mentioned you have a group of people that have been praying with you since 40 years ago. So there is a set schedule for you to meet a group of people to pray. Yet at the same time, you are praying everywhere at any time. Because the most present is everywhere. So these two principles seems to be valid, but yet they are one require a fixed place with a fixed group of people, and the other one require that the, the other one allow you to practice the presence of God everywhere. So break that down a little bit so that our okay. audience can catch what, what you're saying. Uh, if I'm learning from praying with other people, um, it's not just one group. So I can be in several groups in the course of a week praying. And um, so at one stage, uh, you know, at the moment, I'm praying every Thursday morning for uh, with a group of people that are focused on the Muslim world. Once a month, I have a prayer gathering for the persecuted church. I can be praying in my own local church. I can go out walking and praying. I sometimes go off in my car and just sit by the seaside, which I'm very close to here, and just listen to the Lord. I'm, I'm wanting to be in his presence. So whatever whatever is available to you, take advantage of it. Um, uh, there was a period, uh, I've been part of a prayer uh, ministry um, local to me here, which has a house of prayer rather like Kansas City has. Mm. And uh, at one stage we were praying a hundred hours a week. Wow. I wasn't praying a hundred hours, but uh, together as a community. Yes, collectively. That was, our, that was our commitment. So regular commitment to praying with others is, is the place where you learn. 
and you learn from other people, you learn from the discipline of prayer, and you learn from also from having a, a particular focus. Prayer isn't vague, it's always directed. So one of the things that has come out of that period of, of directed prayer was I felt that God was uh, telling me um, to create a means whereby people were aware of the issues that needed to be prayed over in this country. So during my time at, um, at this prayer house, we started a, a news-based prayer service once a week, which is still available. Now it's now global, it's called Prayer Alert. And it, 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 brings, it focuses on some of the news stories that it are in everybody's, well, not everybody, but it's around the world, not only in my country, but in Europe and in other parts of the world. And we try to get the story behind the story so that Christians can be praying, not about the media's perception of the story, but what God is doing inside and underneath the story. And I, I teach people that news stories are a good way of learning how to pray. So sometimes when I'm teaching on prayer, I will get a, a, a bunch of newspapers and distribute them in the room and say, would you look at the story, pick up one story from each page, pray it together in a small group of three, and then ask God to show you what he is wanting to show you from that story. And I've had many instances where we've prayed about a news item, then God has introduced us in a day or two's time to another aspect of the story from another source, from some other, other place around the world, which has reinforced the significance of what we were praying. So I, I've one, I remember one instance we were praying about um, uh, a story in, in China where there had been um, uh, devastating floods and we had no knowledge of who was available in China but as we prayed for this story we asked God would you raise up people who are from your church to go and be the channels to bring aid and help to those that are afflicted by this flood mm -hmm. and a couple of weeks later I was at a conference in Turkey and it so happened that there was a, a small delegation from China there. And what did they speak about? They spoke about the floods that had happened in their area and the way that God had orchestrated the church to go and minister into that situation and how, as a consequence, they had planted 30 or 40 churches in three or four weeks as a result of the, what God led them to do. And I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You led us to pray. You knew what you wanted to do. And so when we pray, we have to listen to the Lord. Lord, what do you want us to pray for? So every time I'm praying in a small group, I'm, it's not just me praying about what I know. It's praying, Lord, what do you see needs to happen so, so that prayer is really a conversation between me and God, as we talked about earlier. And then I can then listen to the Lord and pray what he gives me to pray for. Wonderful. So, Brian, I'm sure you have so many big breakthrough stories that came about because of prayer, sometimes not just one-time prayer, but the true persevering prayers, you see some big breakthrough. What are one or two that is most notable that you knew that you carried that together with your group of people and you prayed and the Lord show up in a remarkable way? Okay. Um... There, there are a couple of stories from Europe 
which may help to focus our attention. Um, when the communist period was on, there was a conflict, as you know, between East and West Russia and the Western nations. There was a, a war called the Berlin Wall mm -hmm. uh, in existence. So this is my part of my life story. And um, uh, shortly after the Berlin Wall came down, I was in East Berlin staying with a young couple who told me their story. So this is their story, not mine. They said we were part of a youth group. We lived in West Germany before the war came down. We were part of a youth group. And about six months before the war came down, God told us young people that we needed to be praying for the breaking down of the Berlin Wall and the reunification of Germany. So we went to our pastor and said, pastor, this is what we believe God's saying we've got to pray for. So the pastor looked at them in amazement. He said, well, God told me that too about six months ago, but I thought it was such a crazy idea that I haven't shared it with anybody. I've just prayed on my own. So here was his young people now coming to him and saying, we need to focus prayer on this issue. So for six months, they prayed uh, regularly for the breaking down of the Berlin Wall, the reunification of Germany. And then one day they decided to go to the Berlin Wall as a youth group. And this, these young couple said, we, when we got there, two of our young people climbed on top of the wall to pray. Mm. And at that moment, the sirens went, the guns were out, the troops rushed out, and we were in danger. But then everything went silent because they realized that all we were doing was calling on the Lord at the top of our voice for the breaking down of the Berlin Wall and the reunification of Germany. They could have we, shot those people, right? The soldiers could have done. Also. Yeah. So as they said, two weeks later, the first bulldozer came to the precise point where we stood on the wall to pray and started to dismantle the wall. Now, I've, I've heard of that story from other mission leaders that I personally know, some of whom are now in glory, um, who had themselves... Um, whenever they were in Berlin, used to go to the Berlin Wall to pray for the breaking down of the wall and the reunification of Germany. So this for over a period of several years. And their story is the same. The place where we prayed was the place where the first bulldozer came. Now, I take that as God knows what he's doing. He has a plan even years ahead. And when we line up with his will and we go to where he wants us to go, then eventually we'll see breakthrough. So this wasn't just the young people's prayer. It was also the prayer of many others. Now, let me tell you another story. Yes. About two years after this, um, we, we, we did a long distance prayer expedition. Right. We walked in prayer from London to Berlin and Berlin to Moscow. And um, uh, so a couple of my colleagues uh, set this up. Long distance prayer walking has become part of the experience of the body of Christ in many, many cultures and continents subsequently. And um, we, we talk about God putting feet on our prayers. Mm. So this story relates to a town called Brandenburg, which is on our approach to Berlin. Mm. And as so we were about a hundred of us, German and British and American, and, um, and, and other nations walking and praying. And as we approached Brandenburg, we came to this Russian barracks, which were still there. And we were quite surprised. So it was a very domineering and dominant feature. 
Mm. It took us about five minutes to walk along the main road past this Russian barracks and through the grounds of the Russian barracks. And uh, Russian soldiers were still there. So all we did was to pray the light of God into the Russians' barracks, into the soldiers, um, and into whatever he wanted to do there. When we get to the Brandenburg, which is our destination for the day, um, we have a prayer gathering that evening. Mm. And, um, and uh, one of our guys says, I just feel God wants me to go back to the Russian barracks. Uh, I'll take a, can I take a young German with me uh, to be my translator? Will you pray for two things? One, that God will provide a Russian translator. And secondly, that he'll give me an opportunity to speak to the camp commandant. Now, that's a very specific prayer request. So we take it, we do what he asks us to do in this gathering of church people from different parts of the town of Brandenburg. And so he goes. When he gets to the Russian barracks, there's a police incident in the road outside, which required the calling out of the Russian commandant, mm. who brings with him a Russian interpreter. Wow. So they are then having, my friend sees his opportunity, has a conversation. He speaks in English. It's translated from English into German and from German into Russian. So they have a three-way language conversation on the street. And he ends up by asking, can I pray to bring you to Christ, Mr. Mr. Commandant. So on the street outside, he leads this camp commandant to Christ. Woohoo! So then, so then, then he says, um, I'd like to give you a Russian Bible, which actually was a statement of faith because he didn't have one with him. And then he says, is there anybody else that would like a Russian Bible? So the camp commandant says, um, I'll go and find out, wait here. So he disappears for 30 minutes. He comes back. My friend by this time thinks, I've blown it. I've gone too far. Uh, sorry, Father. But then the camp commandant reappears and said, um, yes, please. Can we have 288 Bibles? So by this time, my friend's cock hoop He comes back to the meeting where we are. We just finished our prayer gathering. He shares the story and a German a German brother who says, stands up and says, I know where those Bibles are. We've been keeping them for such a time as this. I'm a member of the German Bible Society. We have a stockpile of Russian Bibles here in Brandenburg. And so there's the, the key. A year later, we're back in Berlin, ready to do the Berlin to Moscow prayer expedition. And the group from Brandenburg are there to send us off. We see them, we say, tell us what happened to the Russian barracks. What's the completion of the story? They say, well, the barracks have now closed down, but we took in far more than 288 Bibles. We've been having Bible studies every week with the Russian soldiers, and we've seen over a thousand of them turn to Christ in that period. Wow. And we think, well, Lord, that was just five minutes of united prayer by a group that passed through. Was it just our prayers? No. That group in Brandenburg had also been praying. And sometimes God just connects the two bits of his family together so that they can see just what part they have played. It's never my prayers that always bring the breakthrough. It's the prayers of God's children. And I sometimes may be just the seed sower of prayer, or sometimes I'm the reaper of prayer. And when we, work, when we recognize that the body of Christ works together, then we'll see uh, triumphant results for the glory of his name. Glory to Jesus.
I can't stop but to giggle about the number 288 because it's the number that uh, of uh, priestly uh, minister that King David put around the tabernacle to keep the tabernacle uh, going uh, in terms of worship. So multiply that to a thousand, that's remarkable. Now, our last five to 10 minutes wrapping up here, there are two crucial questions that I'd like you to address. Number one is, Brian, in all your decades of the Lord leading you, journeying with you, you probably have seen the trend that uh, this generation right now, maybe the last five years or 10 years, there's a lot of antagonistic uh, attitude towards the gospel in the West, especially in the public square. The value is uh, really uh, very challenging, especially on college campus for our young people. Young leaders are courageous. They are standing the ground in terms of the gospel and prayers. They are uh, the, in America right now, every college campus has been adopted for prayers. There have been initiatives to start fiery prayer meeting in every college campus in America. So if you look at a young leader right now in his 20s and say, I want to lead from the place of prayer courageously. If you have one, two, three advice or something to give to this generation as a reminder and encouragement, what would you say to them? I first of all say that you are part of what I understand to be the revival generation. And revival to me is not just reviving of Christians, it's also the outpouring of God's spirit on the community. And so um, part of also my story is going back into the 1990s, several of us in the UK sensed God saying to us, the people being born from now onwards are the revival generation. They will reap the spiritual harvest. They will go further than you have gone in bringing about a a worldwide spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And my heart is that the the youth of today, that is what God's key is for you. But the evil one knows that too. And he will try and take that heritage away from you and that opportunity away from you and try to mix up your thinking and understanding with all kinds of, of information that is false. And you need to be keep close to the Lord, walk with him, and listen to his voice all the time. So one of the things that I, I know my friend John Robb said to you when you were having this uh, similar conversation a few weeks ago was that God is raising up thousands of people who are praying as children and as young people across the world. We have something called the Uprising Gathering, which is United Prayer Rising uh, amongst young people across the world. It's just a new move of youth being brought together to pray and claim the ground that is theirs to claim. And so all the seed that's been sown in prayer and with the word of God and with missionary endeavor around the world, is it going to be go to waste? No, this is the generation that's going to be able to inherit that harvest for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So here in Europe, for example, uh, some of the younger generation are already talking about 100 million new believers in wow. the next 10 years in, wow. in Europe alone. So where's your vision? Uh, one of the things God said to me some time ago, he woke me up in the middle of the night and said, go for the young. Teach them all that I have taught you so they can go twice as far as you have gone mm-hmm. in half the time it's taken you. 
which for me, this, that's an ex, God's exponential way of growing his kingdom. I couldn't work that out logically, but they will go twice as far as you have gone in half the time it's taken you. So I, I love to see youth getting hold of something, going further than I have gone and developing something uniquely of them. We live in an extraordinary generation. There wasn't a prayer movement when I started. We talk about the, this is history. I've seen in the in the course of time, God develop a movement of prayer around the world that was not there 25, 30 years ago. It's emerged in our generation. And you guys are the fruit of that. Uh, so one of the things I like to use when I'm talking to young people is the telephone. And most of us have got a cell phone. And my understanding is the cell phone works because everybody who has a cell phone has a number unique to them. So I can call anybody I want to in the world and have a conversation. I can even see their face talking back to me if I'm using WhatsApp these days. Mm -hmm. So my sense is God has a phone. You say, God has a phone? Of course he has a phone. He has a voice. And the Greek word in the New Testament for the voice, the voice of God, is the word, the Greek word phone, phone name. Mm. So God has a voice. God has a phone. Has he got your number? Are you listening to him? Are you having conversation with him daily? Phone him up. All Talk right. to him. All right. And so and listen to his voice. Um, a very simple example. But we, this is our everyday use. This is in my hand all the time. So why not let prayer be in our hands all the time? Pray without ceasing, God says in his word. I can pray when I feel like it. I can pray when I don't feel like it. I can pray when I'm asleep. I can pray when I'm awake, when I'm walking, when I'm driving, when I'm sitting, when I'm watching the news, wherever, wherever I happen to be. I can pray when I go into the troubled spots of the world. And God will take some of you into some of the most difficult situations of the world and there to bring a shade of his glory and to make a difference by being there. There's no place too hard for God to work. And if we are willing and open to him, he will use us in the most difficult situations to bring uh, just a sense of his glory. Amen. Brian, would you pray for the young leaders that God is raising up, the revival generation, as you Amen. call them? Would you, would you ask the Lord to lay hold of them so that they can continue to stay steady and focus and multiply? Lord, I thank you for those that you're raising up. Um, Lord, I just think of that young guy, uh, Caleb, that I met um, three years ago in Korea uh, when he was 11 year old. I think of that boy of 10 that walked me down the corridor and said, Mr. Mills, um, I've got a prophetic calling on my life. Can you give me some advice as to how to develop that calling? I thank you that you're raising up even youngsters, Lord, uh, people that even are teaching those who are um, in infants in arms, how to pray in the spirit. We thank you, Lord, for all the initiatives that are at work around the world. And I pray, Lord, that this generation will not be known for their riots and their violence and their, and their uh, opinions that are against God, but will be known as the revival generation in, in generations to come. And would you touch this generation? Would you clean them up? Father, I want to I want to offer you this generation, the new generation of young people who are half my age and younger, 
that they will catch hold of what God has for them in this era in which they live, in this world in which they live. And you would give them visions and understanding of their role and responsibility. You would equip them. You would keep them free from the attacks of the evil one. You would sharpen their perspective so that they hear your voice regularly. And we ask you, Lord, that you'll show them that nothing is too hard for you. Would you, Father, would you equip them? Would you anoint them as they dedicate themselves to you? Lord, I believe that they need to consecrate themselves for the season that we're in. And, Father, whether you take them, some of them, into the uh, into the um, corridors of power in the United Nations, in the European Union, into all the other conglomerates around the world, or whether you use them in their neighborhood or their college or in amongst their friends, in their sports teams, I pray, Lord, that wherever they are, they will be your channel of blessing. Would you equip them so that they are walking humbly with their God? And, yeah. Father, I pray that uh, you will surprise them by what you can do. So, Lord, I commit this generation to you. I thank you for them. And I ask you, Lord, to watch over them and keep them in all their ways so that you have the glory and you have the honor and you have the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And before I let you go, I must ask you, because many of our audience from around the world want to know how to stand with the United Kingdom in this season, how to pray. And <laughs> I, I know that you're treading on sensitive ground here because there are a variety of opinion, but give us what will be a sensible way to, to pray in agreement okay. uh, this time for the United Kingdom, for God's purpose. Um, that is it. It's for God's purpose for the United Kingdom. Um, whether it's whatever the political ramifications are as a consequence of Brexit, yes. and it's still very unclear. Yes. My overriding this is God has a purpose for this nation. And all the people that I know in different parts of Europe have been saying to me, God wants to use UK in a, in a spiritual way. Mm. There's an anointing for spiritual leadership that yeah. is not present in the other nations of Europe. Right. Some of us may disagree with that statement, but that's what they're saying to me. Mm. There are other nations where I see spiritual leadership as well, mm. a strong spiritual leadership. Right. But would you pray that God would lead us and the youth of this nation to take their spiritual responsibility for the rest of Europe seriously? Europe is the unrevived continent. It's the most blood-stained continent in the world. Right. And we're a long way from what God intended for this continent. I go back to the Apostle Paul, who had the Macedonian call that caused him to leave uh, Turkey and come to Europe in the initial stages. And God intended purpose for this continent. We've lost our way over the years, and I want to see this continent come back to God. And so the, young of the, gen the younger generation are the key to bring that about. So when you pray for Britain, pray that God would, we would have um, a response to the Lord in this season. There's, there's prayer groups all over the country praying about Brexit on a regular basis here. Yeah. And, it, and there are people in Parliament that are praying, and, yeah. and not, not everybody's united in right. what they're praying for. Right. But this has to be the key that will unite us yeah. for God's purpose to be fulfilled for this nation at this time in the family of nations of the world. Yeah. One of the things that is not perceived um, generally, at the political level, 
mm. is that we're not only we are don't only have links with the EU in the recent past, but we have links through the British Commonwealth with a couple of, with about 40 other nations around the world, right. some of whom have joined the Commonwealth subsequently and who take their lead from us anyway. And we know we've got a responsibility towards them mm. because in many respects, those nations had the gospel from us in the first place. So we want to be blessed by them and want to be a blessing to them in right. the future. So let me, let me just pray uh, in like with your challenge to the nations to stand with UK. Father, your kingdom come, your yeah. will be done on earth as it is in heaven, especially in the United Kingdom in this season, when there is a season of bringing forth this nation into her rightful uh, place in terms of leadership in the gospel. Lord, this has been evidence for the last few hundred years, but we pray once again, this generation with the young leaders from the United Kingdom, Lord, the entire British Isle, Lord, would you look upon this nation and begin to establish them again in God's promises, in like with the whole European continent. So, Lord, we thank you for the cry of our brother Brian, along with all his brothers and sisters, all our brothers and sisters in the, in the continent of Europe and the United Kingdom. Lord, we stand yeah. together asking you, Lord, bring forth the purposes of God right now. Amen. Bring it forth, Lord. Amen. All different opinion and perspective and commentators, Lord. We just want your divine storyline right now for the United Kingdom and Europe. So, Father, Amen. we want to say thank you that we have can have the grace of God to have this dialogue today at this hour. We ask, Amen. Lord, that you give us many more time where we can fellowship in such manner, discussing the word of the Lord and the things that's pleasing to your heart. In Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Amen. One of the um, things that has um, uh, been a feature of some of the debate politically and also some of the thinking spiritually here has been the escape of the children of Israel from Egypt. Exodus. Exodus. Yeah, I've heard that. Okay. When, you, when you think of the story behind the story, mm. what God was doing and what the children of Israel didn't want to do mm. and what transpired as a consequence in order for them to fulfill their destiny, they had to get out of Israel, out of uh, Egypt. God had originally led them into it. Now he was leading them out of it. And the, that kind of interaction with God is at the key factor in our praying for Britain at this stage. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Take care. And God bless you. Time. All right. So we thank want to you. thank you for staying with us, uh, with Brian Mills today in our podcast. Stay tuned for our next one because we have many more men and women of God that will come and encourage us along our prayer journey. Thank you. Thank you.